As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Welcome to another Weekly Heroics, the two true freaks guide to heroes on TV, superheroes. Well, you know, not all of them completely super, some, you know, normal human vigilantes in there. Too. They're super to me, damn they, it! They are, they're, they're heroes to us. Uh, I'm Scott McGregor, Scott 2.0, joined by my usual cohort, the hair metal hero. Hello, sir. Hey. And we're going to be covering Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tonight, Season 1, Episode 10, and Arrow, Season 1, Episode 4, correct, sir? Five. Five? Okay. Yep. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're on top of that, because I assigned it a while ago. <laughs> I am on top of it. <laughs> Having a hard time even just dealing with my side of things these days with, with uh, this uh, being recorded after a, a big holiday time so everybody's discombobulated right now yeah um she'll come out probably about the the time of the next discombobulation how's the holiday <laughs> coming up oh yeah that one <laughs> mm-hmm. right. we will not speak its name yet oh, yes we will because actually I, I i need to mark something on like the cosmic calendar tonight is i actually made it to december 1st this year without hearing one Christmas song. In oh, any, so you're lucky. They get them I, on the PA at work. I, I don't. I, oh God, no! That they'd have to pay me more. But and I work yeah. in a call center, so that's super annoying. I mean, I don't get out <laughs> to the to the retail world a lot, but I mean, I do even like you know convenience stores and smaller shops all the time, and I, I don't know how the hell I avoided it, but maybe the war on Christmas is winning I, is, I, I, I don't care really it's just amazing to me because it's usually right after like Halloween <laughs> when I start hearing them well my my family is Thanksgiving's over it's time for Christmas music yeah no luckily I don't stick around mine long enough on Thanksgiving to even get to that it's like dinner pass out leave the next morning it's a beautiful <laughs> thing beautiful thing living away from your relatives Anywho, we digress in a big way already. Uh, we're talking superheroes. We're talking email tonight. We have some housekeeping. We actually have a great email tonight um, to bring our total up to two, I think it Let's is. Let's do this. Let's read that email. <laughs> yes. Reach into that email sack. 
It's from uh, Aaron Henley, who we've worked with recently, actually, on other stuff. And uh, and he's got himself another po- his own podcast, which I don't know the web address of, but it's called uh, Tangents Abound. So I'm sure if you do the Google thing, yep. you'll find it eventually. Uh, anyway, um, hey, Scott 2.0 and Hair Metal Hero. There's a Marvel team up somewhere in there. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anywho, great episode, guys. He is actually referencing uh, episode 11, um, which was uh, us talking about Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 8 and Arrow episode 4. So, you know. All right. um, Almost at least uh, one directly before this Arrow. So back to this tab. With Arrow season 1, episode 4, the swerve of Ollie being arrested by Detective Lance was a great... Oh, um... Yeah, I missed a line. Anywho, great episode, guys. I haven't seen any of S.H.I.E.L.D., but when I hear a couple of guys speak so positively about something, it tends to make me put it back into my Netflix queue. Yay! Yeah, yeah. we brought another one in. Uh, with Arrow Season 1, Episode 4, Swerve of Ollie being arrested by Detective Lance was a great twist. It showed that, one, the police weren't idiots, and two, Ollie had to be prepared to handle the involvement of law enforcement. Oh, we'll get there in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the cat and mouse game the two would play was a great part of the first season. And, well, what happens in second uh, season two with Detective Lance and Laurel in that hospital room confession? Let's just say I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that one. Mm. Diggo is a great addition to the Green Arrow mythos. I agree with Chris's point that he helps uh, keep... Ollie grounded, just like another important sidekick who hangs around with a guy that dresses as a bat. No, John Diggle is not a sidekick. <laughs> He's a partner. He's a partner. Uh, I had completely forgotten about Walter and the reveal of the yacht being uh, dredged up and rebuilt. Not to go off on a tangent, they tend to abound on him around. Well played, Ern. But next uh, the next week, the, the biggest DC crossover begins, and this is being recorded just as that's happening, technically. Um, the crossover begins, I was just wondering what you guys were thinking about it. For me, this is probably the biggest TV event of the year. If you had told me five years ago the possibility of Green Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Firestorm, The Atom, pretty much a JLA teaming up to stop the freaking Dominators across an entire week's worth of TV shows, I would have called you nuts. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Anybody. Uh, now that it's fast approaching, I hope it gets... Uh, Completely, I hope it gets the completely impossible hopes I have realized and succeeds so that next year we get the same thing, but this time add one more person with a big red S on his chest, and then I'll need an EMT. I just had a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Take Um, care, guys, and see you next week. Thank you, Aaron. And then immediately Um, afterwards, he sent us a PS, though, because... Oh. You know, that's what you do in a snail mail world. Um... One thing, and email is snail mail these days. It's, it's kind of crazy. That's why we don't get any. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's not easily blipped on a phone, then it ain't happening. Uh, one other thing I forgot. I can't believe there's a show on the Two True Freaks Network that Gene Hendricks hasn't emailed on. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess well. this is a call out. Uh, so first, the Cubs win the World Series. Donald Trump becomes the president, and Gene Hendricks hasn't sent in an email. My apocalypse meter just clicked five more seconds till Doomsday, which could work for Supergirl season three. Well, not Doomsday with a small D, but Doomsday with a big D. Well, you know what oh, I mean. Oh, let's not get there. Yes. No, 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 not necessary. 
Thank you, Aaron. Awesome emails, man. And uh, thank you. We're definitely going to be having him on this show eventually because he's yes. expressed some interest. And that, oh, that's yeah. how we and and I'd like to uh, David Pasquarella, who gave us our first email, uh, wants to be on the yep. show eventually too. So. There's your incentive, kids. If you email us, we'll probably put you on the show. <laughs> We're easy yeah. like that. <laughs> Super easy. So as you, uh, we know you like us, then we'll befriend you instantly. Yes. No questions asked. Just feed our egos. Just to touch on the uh, the crossover thing, I'm uh, three into the four episodes of watching it, and um, it's exactly what I want from a TV superhero crossover. That's hell, all I'm going to say about yeah, it. Hell yeah, man. Uh, you know, some of the effects are a little shaky, but they're ambitious, man. They're trying a lot of crap. It's just kind of jaw-dropping, really. Yeah, what, they're what? Not, and it, it's, it is lean. They're not wasting any time. No. And some interesting stuff. They could have just, yeah, we won't spoil too much. I mean, anybody who's wanted to see it will have seen it by now, by the time they listen to this, but... Um, you know, yeah, it was uh, it was done differently than I thought it would be. Yep. You know, and, and first we we got to kind of talk about the uh, the elephant in the room with the big red S on on his chest, and that the the marketing of the CW did kind of pull a boner on this one, and that they've been they were plugging it, you know, for as this big Fortnite crossover. You know, it's all four shows. Yeah, but, it's three shows. Yeah, and it was like literally. But you know what? Seconds. I know why. The, I know why they're doing it. They 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 need to get people watching Supergirl, especially if they're people that have only been watching Flash and Arrow. I get it. It's, oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. You got to do what you got to do. YouTube Bill Hicks on marketing people. That's that's all you got to do. I'll just just look up that clip. And we'll say no more about marketing people, of which I used to be one. So I'm going to hell also. Ah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, Episode 10, called The Bridge. Um, Yeah, crossover. Excellent. If you haven't seen it, find it. Called The Bridge, and we open at Havenworth Federal Penitentiary. Penitentiary? Yeah. Penitentiary. That's it. Suddenly, it's somewhere penal. It's penal. It's a penal institution. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Suddenly, during breakfast, a prison break occurs with what looks like super strength soldiers. They retrieve an inmate who was sitting alone and extract him right through the roof. Uh, Back on the old bus, this guy is surfing the net for information on her mother, and she's getting kind of obsessive about it. Coulson is summoning her for a briefing. May and Ward are working out, not the way they were at the end of the last episode, uh, but by actually sparring, beating the shit out of each other and talking. Ward flirts a bit, uh, and May tells him, nope, not here, not happening, not shitting where we're eating there, dude. (laughs) Too late. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, or at least we're not talking about it while we're eating. Uh, The team is going over the footage of the Super, Super Max breakout. And they find evidence that they were uh, centipede soldiers. Looks like they've solved the instability problems in the formula. Mm. Now, the man they broke out of prison was a guy named Edison Poe, who is a bit of a violent psycho, apparently. Uh, Phil informs them that they'll be uh, working with backup, who turns out to be Mike Peterson from way back in the beginning of the season. Who we get to see do some super training, which is a really cool little scene. Um... Colson shows up and recruits him for the mission, essentially. Uh, and he's he's pissed that he hasn't matched Captain America's, you know, time yet. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, you'll get some help with that eventually, Mike. 
Maybe. Um, but, hey, that that's the standard you want to shoot for, if anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On your left, Mr. Peterson. May, <laughs> may thinks it's a bad idea to work with Mike, who gives him a cold reception when he when he gets on the bus. Mike has been training with S.H.I.E.L.D., though, to become an agent, and the team is wary, considering uh, working with him, too. And as Ward is talking about him, he uh, comes up <laughs> he comes up behind him, and, you know, we get the classic, he's right behind me, isn't he? Because yeah. Why not go to that? Uh, Sky tries to make him feel more welcome, but the tension from the team is palpable. Not Palpatine, palpable. Uh, they identified one of the soldiers. Just watched Rebels. It's on my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> they identified one of the soldiers and plan to go talk to his sister to see if they can get a line on his whereabouts. Mike enters Coulson's office to find out his role and is being is told that he's staying on the plane and needs to go for some tests to see you know where that whole explosive super soldier shit's going on in his veins. Uh, Gemma is fascinated and perhaps a little flustered, measuring Mike for a uh, funny kind of sexy scene with uh, Gemma getting all hot and bothered or uh, Mike's, you know, impressive abs and such. Um, you know, and she's doing measurements on him, which Fitz points out could have uh, been done by machine. But, you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted the personal touch. Uh, hey, if I could measure her with a tape measure, I'd be hell doing it. Oh, yes. <laughs> she's adorable. <laughs> Fitz tells him that he's building him a diagnostic slash hero suit. Um, and him and Simmons spout some techno babble at him. Mike informs them that it was their weapon that they used to stop him. Um, that kept him from exploding, apparently, and, and put the extremist serum in a stable state. Now, Phil, Ward, and Lola are headed to, uh, Lola is the car, if we don't remember, are headed to interview their target, and they're talking about girls. Another very funny scene. We get the backstory, finally, on Phil's cellist girlfriend that he had to abandon when he died, which he mentions, you know, in the, uh, I think it's maybe Iron Man 2 he actually mentions it first, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it's there and then in Avengers. No, it might have been in Avengers. Yeah. He's talking to Pepper when he comes yeah. up the elevator. Because uh, he, he has a scene with Pepper like at the end of Iron Man 2. I thought maybe it came up there. Nerds, help us out. Weekly Heroes. Weekly Heroics, that is, at Yahoo.com. Do-do-do. And as uh, Phil warned, Sky called May to uh, talk to her about her mom, and May is not happy. Uh, telling her that she needs to keep her mind on the mission and her mission on the mind. <laughs> but Sky also has info on Poe. Yeah, she has footage of him meeting with Reyna, our lovely girl in the flower dress, including audio about the clairvoyant. Mike tells him about Reyna, and our next scene is with her meeting with Poe, who is being a dickbag. She brings him up to speed on things, and we get more talk about the mysterious clairvoyant. We see a secret lab with super soldiers who need constant medical attention. They all have centipede tech on their bodies. Uh, Coulson is skeptical about there being a true psychic, as he says there's never been one on the index. Sky reminds him that Thor wasn't wasn't on the index at one point either. So there you go. No. So anything's possible, and you're only level eight. Uh, Ward takes point on the questioning, and he's pretending he's from the gaming commission and that he's won the lottery. She claims not to know where he is. The ploy works, and she immediately calls her brother. Super NSA, um, I mean, uh, Shield Tech finds out he's in Oakland. Sky goes to chat with Mike in his room, um, the room slash cell. Phil comes back with Mike's new suit and tells him he's up. Fitzsimmons are uh, patting themselves on the back about their, their super soldier gear, you know, designing 
skills. They plan their little assault on the super soldier. Mike is uh, their super-powered ace in the hole, although they're supposed to go in with maximum stealth. Not happening, though, and the fight ensues, with all three super soldiers showing up and attack. The team is surprised to learn their guns aren't working quite as well as they did against Mike, and during the brawl, Mike is gravely wounded with a rebar to the gut. He still fights back, and two of the soldiers run off. They go to question the remaining guy, and some kind of kill switch goes off before he can talk, and kind of his eye blows up. Yeah. <laughs> Reyna and Poe were the remote control. Uh, we're at the remote control, and they discover Mike Peterson is their key to phase three. In the uh, science babble room, they're going over the data on the dead dude and discover eye technology like the rogue agent earlier in the season had. Centipede designed the uh, the kill switch as well. The team is struggling to figure things out, and Poe tells Reyna that he spoke to the clairvoyant, but teases her and won't tell her anything about him. She's upset, but he tells her the clairvoyant knows the good work she's been doing. May scolds Ward about the emission. He, she thinks he's being overprotector of her because fuck buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> he explains his decisions were tactical, not personal, because he, you know, he knew that if anyone was going to die, it, it should be anybody but her because she's the, the baddest ass there. Don't know if I believe him. I don't think she does. Sky shows up uh, and bugs May a little bit more, and she rips her a new one about her mom not being the mission, and she needs to decide if she really wants to be here or not. Colson goes to talk to her, but backs off when uh, he hears that she's crying. Family drama. Cool family drama, as you'll see in yeah. a little while. Uh, Mike meets with Colson and tells him he's a bit sore. Colson tells him, takes him to task for working too hard and not seeing his son since uh, Union Station when they took him down. Mike is ashamed that his son saw him as a monster. And Daddy Phil gives a good talk, and Mike calls him. Uh, Ace is playing with his Avengers action figures, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, the heroes of New York action figures. Yeah, yeah. Ace tells Dad that his new friend is there, and Raina takes the phone, row raggy. Centipede wants to trade Mike for his son, and he agrees seeing no other choice, but the super science geeks have designed a way to track him. And at the prisoner swap, May offers to take point, but Phil Phil decides to go because Mike, you know, requested him. Fitzsimmons is putting the tracking odorless scent on him, uh, comic science, and uh, Ward is set up with a sniper rifle. A sniper rifle? Yes. Sniper. The sniper yes. rifle. Sniper rifle. <laughs> Raina meets them with an extremist soldier in tow. Raina thanks Mike for cooperating. Phil is confused, and it's revealed that Mike agreed to deliver Colson betrayal. They want zombie Phil on the lab testing table. Oh, yeah. Ace comes out and gives Daddy a big hug, and Phil goes with Raina and is knocked out with an injection. May tells everybody to stand down. Mike uh, gets Ace to safety and then goes back after Coulson, but as he's running towards the bridge, there's a huge explosion, and it seems like Mike is killed. Then the car they think Coulson is in also explodes, and a helicopter, uh, helicopter, helicopter flies off, shooting and hitting Ward as it leaves. And the tag scene is Raina, Poe, and Coulson in the copter. Phil is defiant, but Raina tells him that they want to know about the day after he died. So, Yeah, uh, I love this episode. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. And move the plot, and, and it's, you know, the downhill run into finding out the secret, you know. For all yeah. of those of you that thought, oh, no, they're never really going to explain why he's back from the dead. Well, guess what? We're getting it's coming. Yeah, we're getting there quick at this point. 
Um, yeah, that's that's how you do an ending for an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, you really don't know, you know, especially first season. We're not, you know, nobody's safe yet, and it's a weird yeah. thing. So they're going to kind of try to prove that nobody's safe. And and Mike Peterson would be. You kind of knew that Colson wasn't going out when the car blew up. Yeah, but. that's why I, I almost think they shouldn't even have done the stinger on this episode. It should have been the explosion with. Yeah. you know. And then there. all of them recoiling from it, and then you cut for wait till next week. Yeah, and then you got a good dramatic scene of the team thinking, "Holy fuck, the director's just been blown up," or not the director at that point, but Mike's dead and yeah. Colson's dead, and that's how you end it. But I would have, <laughs> I pretty much totally believe that Mike was done at that point. I, you know, that they didn't really telegraph anything of him coming back at that point, which he may or may not have come back. I didn't say that. Uh, uh. <laughs> The show's four years old now. He's coming back as Deathlock. <laughs> okay, there we go. I feel better. <laughs> yes, he is. Goddamn right he is. Uh, so it's it's good that Mike blew up, I think, in the end. Well. S- sorry, Mike. <laughs> Mike, we like you. Yeah. We like you better we're as Deathlock. We're glad Death you Lock. blew up. Yeah, we like you better as Deathlock. <laughs> because, holy fuck, Deathlock was on TV. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But we're not there yet. No. But that's that's the kind of thing that just makes me want to punch the people that are like, oh, there's not enough of the Marvel Universe in this. Well, there's fucking tons of the Marvel Universe in this. Uh, yeah, Deathlock. They're using extremists from the movies in this. Um, they constantly reference the stuff that's going on. Yeah, the, um, there's always been tons of the Marvel Universe. Not, even, not to mention the fact that we... I mean, we haven't even got there yet, but it's like... Um, <laughs> Blizzard and, yeah... And Cree, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know it's like they, they don't puss out on this. They uh, they give a lot of Marvel stuff in here. It's just you know you're not getting the, the big superheroes. Stop complaining about it. Yep, yep. I'll stop complaining about people complaining about it someday. All right, good, good enough. In season eight, if you guys get on board with us and get this fucker to like season eight or nine. I don't think we're getting that many seasons, <laughs> but. <laughs> Don't take my joy from me. Uh, <laughs> trying not to. I'm trying not to be a fun sponge. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a real good one. And it said you can feel the momentum building in this one. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the big mystery for the first part of the season is what happened to Phil. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it's That sets up a whole other strand that gets followed still to this there's repercussions from it from to, to this day on the show, yeah. uh, but it's it, yeah, it gets it gets even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, um, that's about all I got. I mean, that's just I really yeah, lo- it's, love a, it. it's a pretty straight it's a pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, it's not a ton of action in the episode. It's it is laying out the plot. Um. But it's also, I mean, getting reintroduced to Mike was was good. It's like it, characters do come back in this. They don't always carry over season to season, but they definitely try to use the the characters that they introduce to the to the fullest ability that they can use them on the show. So it's a uh, yeah. The Super Soldier fight was pretty good with with Peter. Oh yeah, and everybody. I mean, they're they're doing the whole people flying into metal and crunching it, and you know the whole nine yards, as much as you yeah. can do on TV. Yeah, I uh, I've never since the show started. I haven't had any complaints about when they do decide to show super 
superpowers on the show. Yeah, and the way uh, these shows have all been smart in, in, for the most part, just getting really great choreographers for the fights. Yeah, that's uh, the even, biggest thing. even when there's not a bunch of powers going on, man, there's some seriously great fight action going on. Yeah, whether or not it's Ming... Ming-Na or her stunt double, like, you buy every time it's Agent May throwing a punch or a yeah, kick. Like, yeah, it's just shot well enough if they are using... I mean, they they got to use stunt people for a lot of it, but... I mean, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, the, the, just because the insurance companies would be, yeah. you know... Yeah, they're not going to put everybody in that much harm's way. But, um, yeah, the action, the action on the show is always good. <laughs> Yeah, there's some crazy May fights, you know. There's there's May fighting May eventually. Oh yeah, the most fucking glorious thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want two of the same girl fighting each other though? Don't you want to, you know? Twins, come on. twins, baby. Yeah, no no woman her age should look that good. It's it's criminal. <laughs> Criminal! No, we need more of it, because I'm getting to that age rapidly. <laughs> hey, I'm with an older woman. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. I've, I've always gone for the older women. Uh, wow, major tangent there. It's all your fault, Aaron. Sorry. Uh, what was I? That was it. I guess we're into Arrow now. So. Okay. My name is Oliver Queen. Go for it. My name is Oliver Queen. For five years, I was stranded on an island with only one goal. Survive. Oliver Queen is alive. Now I will fulfill my father's dying wish to use the list of names he left me and bring down those who are poisoning my city. To do this, I must become someone else. I must become something else. Five years ago, I was stranded on a hellish shot. Sorry. I was on an island. Oh, wait. And then I went here, and then I went other places, too. But I was mostly on an island. <laughs> I was mostly on an island <laughs> with a really bad wig. Sorry, I went to Batman then. <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get away from Batman to another billionaire vigilante. All right. So uh, we are on episode five of season one of Arrow. This episode is called Damaged. Um, so let's uh, get rolling with this plot here. So we actually start the episode out on the island, and Oliver's being taught how to uh, shoot an arrow. And uh, while retrieving a rabbit that Yao Fei shot dead, that Yao Fei's the Asian man that tended to his wounds and told him how to, you know, kill a chicken and everything, uh, so he could eat a bird, whatever it is. Um, he, uh, he gets captured by some armed men wearing black. We cut back to present day in Starling City, where Oliver is taken into the police station, booked and then interrogated by Captain Quentin Lance. The questioning is soon interrupted by Moira and Walter Steele, demanding that Oliver be set free and not to say anything until his lawyer arrives. Oliver is let go, but he tells a distressed Moira that he will only let Laurel defend him. Smart. <laughs> so we, we go to... The- Go to the courtroom for his bail hearing, and Oliver insists on representing himself and assures uh, the judge that he's innocent. However, the uh, DA, Kate Spencer, moves that bail be refused as Oliver could escape during uh, any time. Uh, His family has connections and money. Laurel comes in, objects, and suggests that Oliver be tagged with a GPS uh, tracking bracelet and confined to his home. As Oliver starts to object, the judge agrees and assigns bail. I believe it's $15 million. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we're going to get some cash here. Yeah. Uh, so um, 
<laughs> uh, she assigns the bail, and as the spectators leave the courtroom, Oliver thanks Laurel for coming in to uh, help him out, and she says that they both know he couldn't be the vigilante because the uh, the hood is tr- actually trying to make a difference, which is in Oliver's style. <laughs> Back at the, the Queen Mansion, an officer attaches the bracelet to Ollie's ankle, and Ollie has decided to throw a prison-themed rave on the estate grounds in celebration of his coming freedom. Uh, his best friend Tommy Merlin warns him that it's not a good idea, but Oliver wants to make it clear that everyone knows that he is not worried. We are back at home, and Quentin confronts Laurel about her new client. He insists that Oliver got Sarah killed, um, and Laurel points out that he's biased and he's letting that guide his prosecution of Oliver. Uh, Quentin doesn't believe it, insisting that even... uh, insisting that the evidence is solid and Laurel tells him that Oliver wasn't the wasn't the one who killed Sarah or drove uh or drove off Quentin's wife which is that's kind of some dirty pool yeah. uh, as Quentin storms out Laurel tells him he's not the only one who misses both of them so we have our friend John Diggle visiting Oliver in his room and he asks what he's up to and Oliver says uh, he knew that the security camera was in the stairwell and was going to capture him and he figured out that someone would eventually review the footage. He comes back to Starling City and a couple days later the guy in a hood shows up. So this is something that he's been planning uh, planning for. Uh, He set the whole thing up so he could divert suspicion from himself since someone, uh, like I said, would eventually put two and two together. Batman never thought of that, I don't think. Batman doesn't care. He just dressed up as butler. He's Batman. <laughs> Where's the trigger? Sorry. Oh, God, I got to go watch those now. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Save yourself seven hours. Uh, you can watch Batman Begins. That one's good. Um, uh, no, I, no, I meant the uh, How It Should Have Ended clips. <laughs> oh, okay, well, yeah, those you can watch all you want. Those are great. Uh <laughs> All right, so John and Ollie are talking, and uh, Diggle um, kind of putting the screws to Oliver, saying he's putting his family through hell, but Oliver insists that the mission has to come first, and he shows John an article on Leo Mueller, a German arms dealer, who has stolen some military weapons, and he's bringing them to Starling City to sell to the uh, street gangs. John wonders how Oliver plans to go after the uh, arms dealer when he's got the GPS tracker on, and Ollie asks him just to shadow Leo for the time being, and he sends John to the hideout where he gets some uh, you know, wireless transponders from Oliver's collection of high-tech equipment. So we cut to Walter Steele, Moira Queen's uh, current consort and husband, and he's meeting with Josiah Hudson, the queen the head of Queen Consolidated Security, and he tells him off the record that he has an assignment for him. Uh, he explains that he found the, re- found the remains of the Queen's Gambit that was um, Ollie's dad's boat, and he wants Josiah to move the um, the evidence to a secure location. When Josiah asks what's going on, Walter admits that he doesn't quite know yet. The DA calls for a meeting with Laurel and her client, and uh, she also brings in Quentin. Uh, Kate explains that Quentin bypassed her office when he arrested Oliver and that she's willing to let Oliver make an insanity plea. (laughs) Ollie refuses, insisting that he's sane and that he'll undergo a poly uh, test, polygraph test. It's not admissible in court, but he'll do it in front of Quentin to convince the uh, um, detective that he's innocent. Laurel talks to him privately and says that he should just take the deal and Oliver will agree to take the deal if he fails the polygraph test. Laurel's satisfied, but she warns him that he's not the only one with something to lose. 
We cut back to Lian Yu, where three men take Oliver to a camp where um, there are more uh, soldiers in black outfits loading crates. And he learned his it's, super lying skills. Yeah, that's one of the best things about the first couple seasons of this show, how they directly tie everything in. Yeah. Uh, they take him into a tent and leave him. And the leader of these guys is a man named Edward Fires. Uh, he introduces himself to Oliver, and Ollie says that, hey, I'm rich, and my family will pay a hefty sum for my return. Uh, Edward says that they'll uh, get to that. And it, first he shows him of Yao Fei, uh, who's clearly – it's clearly in the past. He's in a uh, military uniform. And he asks Oliver if he's seen the man, and Ollie claims that he hasn't. Fires isn't convinced, and he thinks that Oliver should think on how he's going to suffer as he calls in his acquaintance, a man in a – black and yellow mask mm-hmm. as the workers uh, cut back to the present day as the workers set up for the party Ollie uh, comes out to chat with uh, his sister Thea and he tells Thea that everything's going to be cool um, but she points out that he has been acting weird ever since he came back and um, she goes you know you, I mean, you even gave me this arrowhead thing and Ollie says it's just a coincidence that he bought it in the airport airport gift shop in uh, Beijing or China, wherever it was, I can't remember. Uh, Thea is, you know, kind of taken off the track at this point. She says that she knew Oliver couldn't be a killer, but she's worried that she will lose him again, and Ollie promises that uh, she won't have to worry about that. Now, time for some intrigue. Uh, Moira Queen goes to see Malcolm Merlin when he summons her, and she tells him that the charges against Oliver are false, but he wonders if there is something that Oliver has to hide, and he does warn her that they need to know if uh, her son is hiding something or if there's any sort of um, issues going on at the Queen home that need to be rectified. Yeah. <laughs> and for you who fans, of course, uh, Malcolm Merlin is the amazing Captain Jack Harkness. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, Oliver and Laurel meet with Quentin in the uh, polygraph tech, and they calibrate the machine. Um, and Ollie gives a bunch of truthful answers. Um, some of them are, you know, some kind of personal questions. So you can kind of, Quentin's kind of digging a little bit. Um, and, you know, why wouldn't he? He's got him in that position. He might as well ask. Um, and all he answers truthfully. Um, during this, um, you know, uh, Quentin asks Ollie if he's ever been to Iron Heights prison. And then he asks him if he's the guy in the hood. And we cut back to uh, Fires demanding to know if Oliver has seen Yao Fei as the uh, torturer, the guy in the mask is waiting. Cut back to the present. Oliver says he's never been to Iron Heights prison and that he's not the hood. And then the polygraph tech confirms that he's telling the truth. Quentin starts to ask Ollie about the island. When Ollie doesn't answer, the torturer uh, cuts several lacerations on his chest. So we get some cross-cutting going back here, yeah. uh, back and forth. <laughs> Quentin really starts to dig, and he asks if he was alone on the island, and Ollie admits that he wasn't. He explains that there were people there and that they did torture him, and he didn't want to talk about it. Reasonable response. Quentin asks Ollie if he's ever killed anyone, and Ollie says that he did kill someone. He killed Sarah by inviting her onto the yacht. Uh, Obviously, this was a way to cover for the fact that Ollie's been plugging guys since he got back to Star City. Yeah, yeah, he's actually killed quite a few people. (laughs) After being asked this question, Ollie pulls off the the testing equipment and walks out of the interrogation room. The technician tells Quentin that Ollie did tell the truth, and Laurel asks her father if he'll be releasing him. And Quentin refuses, saying that he can tell Oliver is guilty of something, whether he'll admit it or not. I love Captain Lance. Uh, That night, Ollie throws his big party. Um... 
and uh, he tells them to make as much noise as they want, have a great time. Uh, Quentin is there. Um, who knows for what reason? Probably just police protection. I don't know. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Quentin watches from the crowd as Ollie goes inside and meets privately with Diggle. And uh, John has the uh, arms dealer's current location from the transponders, and Ollie says that the hood needs to show up to stop him. But it can't be Oliver. John realizes basically how hard you're asking me to suit up here. Uh, Diggle doesn't take too kindly to this, and Ollie apologizes. He didn't expect it to get to this point. He just wanted the Green Arrow to be seen somewhere while he was clearly being watched by hundreds of people. So I guess he pretty much did pull the '66 Batman and <laughs> dressed up someone else in his costume, but so I sit corrected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, so uh, Diggle's not too happy, but, you know, he's like, oh, you know what? All right. I guess I got an arms deal to stop. Laurel comes to the party and asks to see Ollie privately. He takes her to his bedroom and CW, 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 uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, this part's really boring. And then they make out a little bit and then Laurel leaves. Uh, we cut back to the one, island. One, where- one, one, oh, I can't. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, we cut back to the island where Oliver says he doesn't know anything about Yao Fei and Fires wonders if he's actually telling the truth. He tells the torturer to kill the prisoner, uh, which is Ollie. And at that time, Yao Fei breaks in, knocks out Fires, and has a nice uh, little action beat with the uh, guy who um, looks like Deathstroke. Um, he knocks him out. The two of them get out. Let's see here. We cut back to the present day um, where Diggle um, breaks up the arms deal and uh, knocks everybody out. Uh, We cut back to the present day where Walter calls Moira to his office and tells her he knows that Moira recovered the boat and had it shipped to Star City, uh, Starlink City at this time. Uh, He tells her that Josiah was killed. That's the guy he just sicked on trying to figure out what was going on while moving it to a more secure location. And he accuses Moira of lying to him. She warns Walter that he's on a dangerous path and the path uh, and the people that that are behind it will stop at uh, nothing. Um, yeah, getting really in deep with the uh, the family drama here. What's going on where in in Merlin, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, John calls to tell Ollie that he's disposed of the gang, but Leo escaped. Uh, at this time, a waiter knocks at the door, reminding Ollie that he does uh, have a party that he's at. When Ollie opens the door, the guy who's dressed up like the waiter has got a gun ready to go, and he's trying to kill uh, Ollie. The two of them beat the crap out of each other, and Quentin busts in just in time to shoot the um, the guy that was attacking Ollie dead. Quentin takes Ollie downstairs, and he meets with the uh, with Moira and Walter. Moira, realizing the killer works from Malcolm, makes the best of the situation by suggesting that Quentin accuses Oliver of being the hood uh, to make it, doing so made him a target for criminals. Quentin gets a call from the station and removes the GPS bracelet from Ollie's ankle, and he explains that the hood has been seen. Um, on the other side of town, busting up uh, street gangs, and that all the charges are being dropped. As he leaves, Ollie thanks him for saving his life. Ooh, sticking that salt in the wound, Ollie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the next day... Eat it, Lance. Eat it. The next day, Moira busts into Malcolm, Malcolm's office and demands to know why he's targeting her son, and he says that he's had to take steps to dispose of Oliver if he was their enemy, as Quentin had claimed. Malcolm apologizes, assuring Moira that it's clear her son isn't the per- person who's after them, but he does admit that he did have Josiah killed to protect the secrets. Moira warns him that what she'll, she'll do whatever it takes to protect her family, and she'll uh, burn him to ashes if he uh, does that again. 
At the uh, mansion, Ollie finds a pouch that he dropped on the bedroom floor. This time, we cut to a flashback of Ollie in the cave um, with uh, Yao Fei. Uh, Yao Fei has dragged him back to their safe place, and uh, Yao Fei says that he's impressed with Ollie, that he didn't break under the torture, and he reminds him to breathe. That's something he's been saying, you know, trying to, you know, on the island. Everything is breathe. Everything is breathe. You breathe, you survive. He gives him the little pouch, and he leaves. When Ollie tries to follow him, he causes a cave-in so that Ollie can't get out. Breathe in these special island drugs. That's all you need. (laughs) Yes. Ooh, special island drugs. Uh, <laughs> Laurel comes to see Ollie and tells him that she studied the poly re- results, and she realized that Oliver lied when he said that he hadn't been to Iron Heights prison because they visited it together on a field trip in the eighth grade. She figures that he might have forgot until she looked at the readings and realized that there were several suspicious flutters. Laurel wonders what else he lied about, and Oliver says he doesn't like to talk about what happened on the island because people would consider him damaged. He claims that since returning, he can't sleep, he barely eats, and he can't sign his name, much less use a bow and arrow. After a moment, Laurel says they're clearly attracted to each other, but that nothing can happen between them. Ollie agrees, and Laurel gives him the polygraph results as she leaves. Later, Ollie and John go to the hideout, and Oliver defends his decision to keep his family in the dark and Laurel in the dark. John doesn't believe it, figuring things didn't happen the way Ollie planned, and that those close to him are questioning his answers. Walter, um, doing the wise thing, packs up and he leaves the uh, mansion saying that he's going on a business trip and he doesn't know when he'll be back. This is just a cover story for him needing to get away uh, after she knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, We cut to John and Ollie again. And uh, John asks Ollie if he's considered how his plan would affect his friends and family. And um, Laurel tracks down Quentin at the same time, and he's uh, getting shithoused in a bar, and she takes him home. We uh, end the episode with Ollie saying that he's all too aware of what he's doing and explains that it's hurting him the most, uh, that he can't say anything. He then puts on his costume, since there's still work to be done, and he tracks down the uh, Leo Mueller, the arms dealer, breaks up the second attempt to uh, sell the guns. After he beats the bag out of all the henchmen, the hood does what he does and says that Leo has failed this city. And um, we what cut to black as we hear Leo screaming as an arrow flies. Yeah. <laughs> now, your thwip is trademarked to, uh, to Spider-Man. Sorry about that. So it's like swink, our- swink. Yeah, um, where the official arrow sound is. I don't know. I can't do it. Um, Otherwise, it's going to sound like a cat call if I do anything else. Um, Yeah, uh, this is this is the kind of episode that you want to see writers write. Um, A lot going on. Very dense. There is a lot going on, but it's just for the A story of Ollie needing to be able to throw the police and everybody else off his track. He wasn't stupid. Um, He knew eventually, like you said, somebody was going to put two and two together. So the sooner that he... He had this all go down. The sooner he's clear to just you know continue on kicking ass, and I and I kind of love that um, about this episode. The uh, intrigue with Malcolm and Moira gets ratcheted up, and uh, poor Walter, man, Oof, that that yeah. poor guy, he's um, he's no dummy either. As yeah, soon as yeah, learning he didn't marry well. He, yeah. Well, he did, just just not the way he thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so, he married very well, but you know. Yeah. 
and, um, murdery. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a great episode, especially the use of the cross cutting to the to the flashbacks. Yeah. Um. It, this this season really probably is the season that it works works the best. I mean, they are continuing to still do it. This is the last season. They're, they're on season five now. There's no more flashbacks you can do after this season. Yeah, they're, no, they're going to flashback um, to season. Well, they just did. The 100th episode was, was, was we're finally flashing back to the first season, I guess, <laughs> yeah. in a way. Um, yeah, but um, I just, I really, I really, I think this is, I was already on board with the show, but this was where I was like, all right, this is not your mother's superhero show. Ollie is, yeah, I mean, he's... <laughs> oh, they're hitting the ground running. They're yeah. planting a lot of seeds really early and getting the whole identity thing out of the way. And, yeah, they get a lot accomplished in this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is still mired in some of that CW aspect, and that's never going to go away. We're on season five, and it still hasn't gone away. Uh, it's lessened, though, significantly this season. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, and it's, I just I, Laurel is not a character that I really enjoyed in the first season, um, but I guess they had to have that love interest thing, especially when you know Ollie was also banging her sister, which uh, yeah, which you know it's it's just it's interesting. Um, it they definitely seemed like they knew the the idea of of what they wanted this show to be, and they kind of embraced it right from the jump. Um, I was actually talking to Luke Jacknetti recently, and. Um, because he also watches Arrow. And uh, it's one of those things where Ollie in the comics has always been, uh, well, not always, but, you know, when the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams stuff started, he's always been kind of the, the left of center guy. Yeah. Um, which on this show, eventually he gets there, like kind of what they're doing with him this he's season. More apolitical than anything. He is not he's... political in this at all, yeah. and he's actually rather fascist in the first Yeah, season. yeah, he's essentially... This whole episode is very Batman-y. I mean, it was, you know, right down to the... You know, they, they addressed... Well, he even the, the great line in this is he even... You know, our, you know us billionaire vigilantes, we love our toys. Love our toys. It's like, yeah. I, I actually had a little stupid theory that popped into my head when I rewatched it. And, what, is know, it? what is it? What is it? My theory was that Arrow, it's just really bad, actually. Uh, but the Arrow takes place after the, uh, Dark Knight Rises, as people have figured out since then who Batman was. So the, the, the legend of Batman is out there, you know, and so... I don't want to commingle those two. No, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just it's, don't. It was, it was a brain fart. I probably watched yeah. it at two in the morning. I, yeah. I, I, it's it's not a theory. <laughs> no, it's not a bad theory. If you, if you had had one billionaire vigilante, you, you could have two. I mean, you'd have yeah, to be... In general, two. I just think this might be a universe where Batman has, has either, you know, has maybe gone out that way, or at least people think they went that he went out that way. And This this universe doesn't need Batman. <laughs> no, no, it clearly doesn't. That's, that's pretty much Ollie's role in, in this yeah. particular Earth. Uh, Which I'm fine with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, but they still make enough references that it warms my heart that he he existed somewhere, somewhere. You know. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think they've ever. They don't think I don't think they've ever brought up Gotham or Smallville or Metropolis on the Arrowverse shows. No, no, they they've dropped Gotham on Supergirl. Yeah, they talk about like, the other. They talk about Hub City and Ivy Town, and uh, yeah, there's Ferris Error in this this universe. Yeah, so I don't know. It's um, I just the, the, this so show. Bloodhaven is, is like so. That's pretty much Nightwing's town, right? So, yeah, that's that's 
you know, I consider that a direct Batverse reference in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Um, or, I mean, it's also just a nice drop to have. You're going to have some other towns named. Yeah. I don't think they dropped Bloodhaven until till this season, though, right? That's where uh, they talked about it pretty early. I think did they? I can't remember. It's I, I mean the show this these episodes are five years old now. So yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the new ones and recapping the old ones, and they get scrambled because my brain is old. Um. Yeah, but um, no, this uh, this episode is really good, um, and it's this season actually does continue to actually get better than this too, which is. Which is uh, surprising. I mean, we haven't gotten the Dark Archer yet, or the Royal Flush Gang. The Royal Flush Gang. I yeah, mean, yeah. And and Roy. In and name, it, anyway. You know, they're not. Unfortunately, they're not the big card. You know, costumed. But there's there's been so many versions of the Royal Flush Gang. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's just the fact that they're in it is like I actually think that's the next episode, which has consequences for the remainder of the series as well because we get introduced to other characters in the next one. Um, they, I mean, they knew what kind of world they wanted to build right from the jump, and they just sort of embrace it, which I think is my favorite thing about the the CW shows. They just they aren't afraid to have it be comic booky. Even and this you, is, this is the one that kicked it all off, man, and it's only five episodes in and they they hit the ground running pretty well. Oh yeah. You know, and we even got you know already got Deadshot and all kinds of DC goodness. Yep. Um, it just snowballed from there. Yay. Yeah. It's continuing on. And just you know as I said this will by the time people hear this if they wanted to see the crossover thing they they have already so I, this isn't a spoiler but just to say it again Hall of Motherfucking Justice kids essentially yeah that's what CWTV has given us <laughs> yeah I don't think we're getting that in the Snyderverse <laughs> no. No, he'd probably he'd just the hall of angst. Yeah, he'd, no, he'd show a scene of it. It's like I just thought it was a good joke. He'd show a scene of a building that looked like it and like a wrecking ball taking it out or something. You know, it's a construction project. This is my meta narrative on the Super Friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but we're not quite Jimmy there Olsen yet. Lives. Fuck you, Snyder. Uh, Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I finally got around to watching the extended version of that. It's like, yeah, that was definitely Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. yeah any better? Uh, I mean, how did it improve um, vastly, or do you wish does you it improve it extra? vastly? <laughs> no. Does it clear up a lot of things and help motivations get cleared out and make Superman look a little less like a punk? Yes. Yeah, that does it actually but... have Clark Kent being doing Clark Kent things. Yes. Yeah, uh, so yeah. it is better. If you really, really hated it, it's not going to change your mind. Yeah, yeah. If you liked aspects of it, it will probably help hone some of those aspects that you liked. Uh, it is a better experience than the theatrical version. Um, my watching of that, I was like, okay, I get a little bit more what they were doing. I still don't feel like the conflict between Superman and Batman was earned yet. Um but it is a it is a better experience if you well, get at, at home. You know you can pause it and take a piss or a nap if necessary. If that's what the movie. No, I actually I actually uh. think the pacing the pacing in the extended version is actually better, even though it's a longer movie and it's still a long movie where nothing really happens until the last hour. But the, the it actually works better because you're, the stuff that you're going. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? You're actually getting that, so yeah. you don't feel like you're missing stuff. Yeah, that's and, my- um 
and Jenna, Jenna Malone was not Carrie Kelly. She was just oh, okay. a, yeah, a she's just like a, a she's just like a technician that helps um, Lois Lane find out where the uh, the bullets from the uh, Lex guns were coming from. So clearly not Carrie Kelly. They didn't quite go into that much of Dark Knight territory. Yeah, good. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'd have no problem with Carrie Kelly being the Robin in these movies, but yeah, I'd uh, say there's probably a good chance of it in the in the Batfleck movies coming up. But uh, no, she was not. She's too old to be Carrie Kelly anyway. What the hell do people think? Yeah, of I don't know why they, they even floated. She's like thirty years that old. Rumor from from the minute you know she was cast, and I didn't really think they were going to go. I figured Barbara Gordon, if anybody, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, no, Barbara Gordon. <laughs> no, no, no. I, and that just oh, I just had another salient point, and it just flew out of my head. Okay, the biggest that still the biggest thing is. The world building that they tried to do to uh, expand the world, like the the nightmare that Batman has, it's still completely out of place. Yeah. Um, if any, if I would have cut anything out of it, I would have cut out all that stuff. Um, that was my assertion from the beginning: is that it should have either been like half an hour shorter or an hour longer <laughs> to let the us half know hour what the that they added going in, on. Yeah, the half hour they added in definitely helps. I would have cut out the yeah. the night the the nightmare that he has and Flash appearing to to bruce um it's it, there's no it's it just it's so out of left field that it still like kind of grinds everything to a halt you're like what the hell is going on i know they were trying to lead up to something sort of the but story it, it, any because it's like don't trust him and batman should have been like yeah i already don't it's okay cool thanks though <laughs> so. yeah, it's it was it's it's just it's too far afield yeah uh, for this so there's my spiel on the extended version i mean i bought it i had to buy it i can't have gaps in my collection sue me i'm one of those yeah, people no i'll own it someday i even bought x-men apocalypse and i didn't even really like it because i can't have gaps upon further rewatching, that one played a lot better at home oh yeah well i also nice. didn't fall asleep this time so that might have helped <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> Sometimes a dark theater and an unexciting movie can do that to you. <laughs> yeah, after a big breakfast. I think I had had a, a rather large breakfast that morning. Yeah, especially, I think we saw the, uh, I think we saw B versus S in, in this local theater that has the big ass fucking lazy boys for you. So you're just reclining and that's, that's yeah. to be to begin with. You know, the most comfortable chair I've ever sat in, I think. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, I, I fall asleep watching Netflix shows, man. I'm, I'm not good sometimes long-distance movies anymore. If I'm in anything padded, there's the potential that I would fall asleep. But when I was home, though, I tapped Mom's HBO, and they were literally running, like, the the Godfather's super epic cut. Oh, right, all three all in a row? Well, yeah, no, yeah, no I think, no, they, they've done they've done some kind of edit where it's... Like yeah, Scorsese did a, the um, the chronological reconstruction. Yeah, the fucker's ten, ten hours long. <laughs> and, like, whenever, you know, it's like Pavlovian response. If I see The Godfather on TV, I have to watch it. I, I can't even control myself, so... Yeah, I've, got, I've got a couple of movies like that, too. And tried to absorb, you know, as much of a 10-hour Godfather epic as I could. <laughs> That's a lot of cannoli. Yeah, it is. I think I got through about four of them. So. <laughs> cannolis? Four hours? I would do well, you know. I could eat cannolis for four hours straight if someone wants to provide them for me. Absolutely. Send all cannolis to That's us! Right. <laughs> 
email us first, and then we'll consider giving you real addresses to send us the cannolis. Don't send us any guns. Any more to say about Arrow or The Godfather or whatever the hell else we want to talk about? What's the trigger? Sorry. That's it. I'm done. I still would have seen, rather seen a digital uh, Marlon Brando in, in Man of Steel than, than I like I like Russell Crowe. <laughs> he's, he's all right, but I, don't, I just can't see him. I like Man of anything action. other than Maximus. Give me Man of Action Jarrell. I'm all over it. What's that? Of Man of Action Jarrell. That's, yeah, yeah. That was that's cool. The animated series did it, and when they did it in Man of Steel, I'm like, all right, I like this Jarrell. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Krypton was an interesting planet. Anywho, I don't know. But yeah, two solid episodes <laughs> this week that we get to talk about, so that's always nice. Uh, so if this is your first episode, listening, we've spoiled stuff, go back and start watching the show. Yeah, you know, as always, uh, it's an index show. If you're, if you're looking for for secretive reviews, you know, go back and read the ones that came out the day after the episode aired and, and stuff like that. But we're, we're just uh, talking about stuff that's, that we like to talk about. Yes. And yeah, so um, don't know exactly what you'll be hearing after this one. I'm going to stop doing that because we've been recording all kinds of different things. But we'll be throwing in some Supergirls, and uh, I'd actually like to maybe get started on a couple of Legends here or there. Wait. Still got to cover Miss Carter. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. And uh, a little news. I don't know if we mentioned on any of the other ones, but there there has been an Inhumans TV show greenlit, which I'm going to be following. <laughs> With the closely. actual Inhumans. Yeah! Yeah, apparently. Um, i got to be honest. I, I, I'm glad that's going to be a TV show instead of a movie. It's gonna be. I, I'm. I wanted. I would like to see what they do with, you know, getting some breathing room to tell stories about Black Bolt and Medusa and. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I'd love to see that shit on like Netflix. And if I swear to God, though, if they don't put Lockjaw in, I will. No, that's a riot for me. Yeah, that's. Nah, they got to have Lockjaw. That's like of, you know, Howard. He tops a very short list of Marvel things I've really wanted to see. On TV, and I've Lockjaw. gotten to see Howard the Duck twice, technically. Yeah. I need to see Lockjaw. I need to yeah. see Modoc. Yes. Um, and John Goodman is Modoc. I'm. No, he's not heavy one. anymore. You just need his fucking face. No, he, it doesn't really matter. You can still act heavy. He knows. Get Louis Anderson. Sure. Don't you want to see Louis Anderson as Modoc? I'm Louis Anderson as Modoc. Uh, kind of. Now I didn't know I did, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Goodman can do and silly Banks and will. crazy at the same time too. Though he's, yeah, you know, think of Walter as fucking Modoc, man. That's what. I'm <laughs> the only one who cares about the rules. <laughs> yeah. I just fucking Modoc. Let's go bowling. Too much of a manly man voice. I always picture Modoc with kind of like a a wienery voice. Yeah, maybe you don't want to redo uh, Arnim Zola though, because he was just kind of the creepy, mousy Nazi scientist thing. Yeah, but they never actually put his head inside of a you know a TV screen, so no. uh, there's precedent for just a giant head floating with teeny tiny arms and legs. Yeah, just please, <laughs> please, Marvel. <laughs> All head I want for Christmas is a giant floating head. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, in humans, we're, 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 we're tangenting abounding here. So yes, and it's all Aaron's fault. So yes, thanks for the email, Aaron. Thanks for everyone that's listening. Weekly heroics at yahoo.com. 
And we'll be back in some fashion next week, hopefully. Also, apologies for the week we missed uh, a while back. Yeah. Just having having some internet problems lately. So, and the site's having some issues too, but. I'm sure it'll be cleared up by the time you hear this. You keep clicking on that Amazon link. And yes, bye, 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 bye. Consume, obey. We'll get it sorted, as our friends across the pond say. So, thanks, guys. We'll be back next week. Bye See now. You. Hello there. Do you like geeky stuff? Well, I hope so, as you're listening to a podcast about it. Tell me. Do you feel as I do that the geek culture has gotten so polarizing that what you enjoy just isn't as much fun as it used to be? Are you tired of being called a fanatic or traitor for simply liking or disliking something? Do you wish that there could just be an in-between area where all geeks could hang out and talk about what we love and why we loved it in the first place? Do you wish that there could be a place on the internet that actually brings some positivity back to geekdom? Well, if you agree, then please check out Tangents Abound. Tangents Abound is a show that covers all aspects of geek culture, from comic books, movies, TV, video games, anime, everything and anything is on the table. Because this is a positive and passionate place where you can hear a total stranger talk about what he loves and why he loves it, and maybe make a fool out of himself from time to time. (laughs) Come with me. It's time for us to return to the simpler days of geekdom. And maybe, just maybe, remember why we loved what we love in the first place. Tangents Abound can be found at tangentsabound.libson.com or on iTunes.